podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. You make food, then let us help you make money doing it. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook, or email us info at businesschef.org. Welcome to another edition of the Business Chef Podcast. I'm Chef Sean Boucher, and thanks for joining us. You know, a little while back we had a friend of the program on, Mr. Scott Stanfield, who really has an interesting background coming from racing into restaurant management and doing a lot of different things. And he is up to some pretty cool stuff, so we've decided to have him back and tell us a little bit about what he's doing. But before we jump in with that, make sure you check out our friends over at ClickLease. ClickLease.com, man, pretty cool stuff where you can actually get approved instantly to buy that equipment that you need. Or to replace that equipment that needs to be replaced. So go check out ClickLease.com. And without further ado, let's jump in and meet and catch up with our good friend, Mr. Scott Stanfield. Oh man, this started about four years ago, walking on the beach at Bruce Chris training. Um, and I've been, you know, it's either now or never, I gotta like start doing this stuff. So. Um, the idea of being a general manager coach versus being like a typical restaurant consultant is talking about like how to save labor costs and, you know, how to, you know, uh, cut food costs and beverage costs and, you know, those type of things. I was like, nobody's talking to general managers. And that's what I do is what I've been doing for over 20 years. And I was like, well, if the system that, you know, people along the way have helped me create and the way that I teach it and the way I do it can help other GMs and why not help them? It seems to be like this lost niche in the restaurant world where people want to talk to restaurant owners, people want to talk to chefs, you know, but nobody's really talking to the general manager or the aspiring manager on how to do these things. We don't teach people how to lead. Um, we, we recognize when people do a really good job in their position and we promote them and then we go, here's a set of keys, here's a manager card, now go figure it out. So that's what that's what this really is. Okay, so let's talk about some specifics of of that. Like, give me give me something specific that you're sharing with people that maybe isn't done isn't done normally, or or maybe is touched on but isn't really delved into. How to deal with angry guests and how to teach your team how to deal with upset and angry guests. Um, which is something that we don't really talk about. We talk about how to give service, and we mention hospitality, um, but we don't really talk about what to do when things go wrong. And if you're really, you know, pushing top-line revenue or you're testing new menu items or things like that, or you've got a new broiler cook or grill cook on and they're going to miscook about seven steaks on a, on a Friday night, you're going to have to learn how to deal with people who are upset um, or if you overbook the restaurant, those types of things and how to use psychology to do that. And this is real-world practice that I've been doing since I worked for the Hilton Corporation. I learned the way they did it, and also the Marriott, and also Ruth Chris. Nice, yeah. I think that there, there definitely probably isn't the focus on that 
Um, you know, we kind of generalize things. We don't really dive into the specifics or we don't get as in-depth as we should. And, and I think taking some of the lessons you've learned from, you know, some incredible brands and, and bringing them to people really is something that will, um, that will bring a lot of value to people. So, you know, is there like a program that you're selling to people or, you know, how do, how do people get started? How does it work? We're going to have to build a custom, you know, a custom program depending on where they are because everybody starts in a different place. You know, also people I've found too is that it depends on, you know, how you were raised is the how you – because you're kind of like being a parent when you're a manager. So if somebody had a, a parent that was really cool, calm, collected, and didn't overreact to things, and that's the way they're going to react as a manager. Um, so it all depends on where they are, you know, with that. So, yeah, you know, I'd be happy to, you know – to put together a custom training program for a manager or a series of managers, or it depends on what they need and where they're at, you know, it, it, where they're starting from. Oh, well, I totally agree with that. I, you know, we're all starting in, in different places and at different levels, and we all have to kind of take it from where we're starting. So, you know, in the, in our first interview, we talked a little bit about your experience in racing. How has your experience in racing turned into tools that you're now using in the restaurant business so basically instead of using tire pressures and gear ratios and horsepower and handling and weight percentages now um, to be successful in in restaurants is about people and menu engineering and hiring people training programs of people with great character and you know governing this ecosystem and building a culture of safety um, so to answer your question is, is that over the 25 plus years I've been doing this, I've boiled it down to three pillars. One is, is having a team with great character. Um, number two is training at a high level. And then number three, sustaining an ecosystem or what most people call a culture that is safe and a safe environment for our employees to work in. So these three pillars, and I used to think that hiring people with great character was the most important, but when you start a new job, there's already a team of people who are already working there that you did not hire. We say we inherit those people, and we kind of do. They're kind of like, you know, given to us, and we have to work with the team we've been given, kind of like that football coach that comes in, and he's having to play uh, coach players that were recruited by the previous coaching staff, hiring people with, you know, great emotional intelligence and great character is, is the first step. But more important than that is a training program. Um, you know, so I, again, another reference to football coaches is, is that you can hear football coaches like Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M will talk about how he can see an elevation in their practice will translate to playing at a higher level on the field. So training or practice, the higher that level goes, the higher the performance does on the floor, whether it's behind the bar or behind a cash register or uh, table side when they're taking orders and talking to a guest and walking them through a dining experience and helping them do a wine pairing, having this culture of safety, this culture of um, where it builds trust and collaboration. We can tell people that to trust me, but that's not right. It's an emotion. It takes time to build trust. And so um, really working with the team and, and getting away from this old school, like, you know, drill sergeant way of screaming and yelling and cursing at people and really meeting people the right way and taking care of them and treating our employees the exact same way we treat guests with kindness and respect and saying yes as much as we possibly can. But at times when we need to, holding them accountable and disciplining them, and then, but, but still focusing on 
making them feel safe that they can come to us and ask questions and we can answer those without being upset and those type of things. I want to jump back to a point you made initially about kind of the first step of getting the right people in. How how do you do that? Because I think there's a lot of people out there listening to this that are thinking, well, how who are the right people and how do I get the right people? When we hire somebody and we hire them, let's like I hire them for great character, I don't get seduced by their resumes or what skills they have or how much experience they have. I'm looking for how they're wired and their behavioral-based patterns. And once I do that, I take a full 100% commitment to train that person, no matter where they're starting from. Now, we've heard all this stuff about millennials, right, and where they are and this failed parenting strategy that they, and they do, they come in and they think that they can get through this job the same way they got through school by just memorizing things and using a flashcard system and come in and talking about brazing, but not knowing what brazing means, right? Or talking about cognac, but not knowing where cognac is in France, right? So we have to actually step back and take time and invest time in our people and bring them up from where they are. Same way I was talking about managers, well, we have to accept where they are and, and build a custom training program for where a manager is. We also have to do that for our team members. And, and so I'm seeing that more and more and more that people are younger, they're feeling entitled that they can do the job as a server, but yet because they don't have this worldly experience and, hey, they don't know the difference between an old-world Pinot Noir that was in France and a Pinot Noir from Oregon and a Pinot Noir that's going to come from the coast of California, that they think that Pinot Noir is just Pinot Noir and they can BS their way through the menu table side and not really focus on the craft of actually being a, a person that excels in this industry and treating it like a profession, that we have to back up and start with empathy and understand that this is where they are and we took on the responsibility when we hired them to train them, right, and then do that. Like, for instance, you know, like Tom Brokaw, you know, dubbed the World War II generation as the greatest generation of all time. And they gave birth to the baby boomers, which then spawned hippies. So do you think the greatest generation of all time was happy with the hippies? Do you think my dad's generation, you know, he just turned 70 back in September, was happy with me, the Generation X, and all those young kids? No. Millennials, it's not their fault for where they are. We as leaders have to accept that, start with empathy, change our training programs, sit with them side by side, and or pair them off with people who have the patience to train them and move them in the direction we need to if we're going to continue to deliver excellence on the dining room floor, in the kitchens, behind the bars, wherever they are, we have to bring them up to the level we need them. And that's, that's what I focus on. I just have to say that I love your approach, and I think that um, there, there does need to be a real focus on training and developing people, for sure, because it's hard to find people, and when you do find the right people, you really want to train them and develop them and, and take the time that it takes to really get them to a place where they can become huge assets for you. So, you know, we talk a lot about, especially in the back of the house, kind of mastering your craft first and foremost. So when it comes to front of the house staff, what things do they need to do to really master their craft? What areas do they need to focus on to become the best that they can be? Wow, that's a great question. Um, well, it's, um, 
You know, the, the thing is, I think the, the biggest aspect of what people need to, to master is, you know, handling stress. Um, I mean, the simple things are if we can get people to understand how important it is for them to know the products that they're selling. Like I say, like, if you're going to work as a salesman at a Mercedes dealership, you've got to know about, you know, about that car. But you also have to understand the sales process as well. Um, so, you know, it's nothing worse than having a well-trained, you know, host and, you know, but yet you, that, that under the moment on a Friday or Saturday night or a busy, you know, lunch where people just start walking in because you're running a promotion, uh, you know, that they look up and they have this blank stare on their face and the entire staff from the host all the way back to the service assistant looks like they're not even having fun and they don't even want to be there. They're just stressed out and they're, and they're, they're doing that. So I think the biggest skill is being able to smile even when you're stressed out. That's probably the biggest skill that, that anybody can have. And I think that's, that's even though that that's trainable, you want to hire people who have that innately in them, this cool, calm, under pressure, I'm here to have fun, and we're going to make this as best as we can no matter how stressed out, out it gets. Um, I think that you obviously can teach people about, you know, wines and, you know, you know, where old, you know, where Napa is and what this means and, you know, what an old world wine is and what, you know, what this rosé from France is versus a rosé from California or even one from South Africa. We can teach those skills, and that's something that's going to be layered over time, over years of working in the industry. Um, one of the things I really focus on, though, is is knowing the products that we sell, knowing what wines by the glass are, you know, knowing what, you know, what, you know, how our food can be modified into gluten-free particulars that help you, you know, give the very best dining experience that you possibly can. But I think it all boils down to the collective emotional intelligence of the entire uh, staff. And that actually translates all the way back to dishwasher, but, it, but especially the line and expediter and, and the chefs as well. Emotional intelligence, man. That cannot be overstated, how important that is. And the mental stability that anyone can bring to a job definitely puts them head and shoulders above a lot of others, unfortunately. So if people want to know more about you and what you're doing, what's the best way to get a hold of you? The website is thegmcoach.com. I'm also on LinkedIn at Scott R. Stanfield, and you can find me there. Uh, and my phone number is 435-714-3680. Well, I for one applaud your efforts because I know that there's a lot of people out there who who focus on food or back-of-the-house operations or overall kind of uh, dynamics of the kitchen and restaurant, and I think you're filling a niche. I think you're filling a niche that really needs to be filled. I really appreciate your applauding my efforts um you know it's just an interesting thing being a front of the house general manager um all these years and and seeing the rise of the chef and the celebrity chef and how people want and that chef culture that chef life um i got mad respect for the art and the work because it's really hard work that we do and really hard work that we do in the kitchen i'm not trying to discount that at all i mean having great food and innovative food and people who enjoy that experience is is there, but but you're right. The general manager sets the culture um, and sets the table, so to speak, for what's happening in the entire restaurant. And a lot of times, 
you know, when the dishwasher doesn't show up or something's broke, the GM's the one back there doing it because the chef's tending to what's happening in the kitchen and what's on the line and things like that if it's the heat of the moment or uh, on a busy, busy shift. And so people don't realize the role that the GM plays and how important it is um, for them to, to, to be aware of their impact on the, the culture. Well, the reality is that any leadership, regardless of whether it's the chef or the GM or, or front of the house management or whoever it is, we all affect the culture with our attitudes, with our, um, you know, the standards that we will accept or not accept. And that's why I just applaud your efforts because I think that the general manager plays just as much of a, an important role, if not more so, than operations as, as anyone else. Scott, thanks again for taking the time. You're a busy guy. you got lots going on, and we appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us because I think you've, you've dropped some gems and uh, look forward to having people reach out to you and engage your services. Thanks again. It's really a pleasure to be on your, uh, your podcast again, and I really appreciate you, you having me. It's been a pleasure. Guys, if you got a lot of value out of this, if, um, if you learned a thing or two or if it made you think about things a little bit differently, that's good, and that's what we're here for. And I would highly recommend that you actually reach out to Scott via social media. Um, you know, go go check out what he's doing because he's got some really cool stuff. And uh, special thanks to Scott. Special thanks to our sponsor, ClickLease. If you haven't checked out ClickLease.com, make sure you go do so. Get approved for that equipment you need. Don't wait any longer than you have to. Thanks, everybody, for joining us again on another edition of the Business Chef Podcast. See you next time. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food, Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org.